Welcome. You're listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Media Talk 101 is a nonprofit ministry dedicated to teaching media discernment in the light of following Christ. Visit our website, mediatalk101.org, and you'll find helpful articles, videos, other resources, including some information about our award-winning documentary, Captivated, and our annual event, the Christian Worldview Film Festival. I'm your host, Philip Telfer, founder and director of this ministry, and I'm back in the studio with my friend and co-host and co-worker, Rhett Simpkins. So, Rhett, it's great to be back together for our now monthly podcast, mm-hmm. and we're recording remote once again, so we don't have the ability to be in the same room, but uh, it's it's good to be able to connect through this technology. So, here's here's a good use. Yes, it is. So we have a, a great podcast lined up. We got some exciting things to to share, some updates, some news, different little bits and pieces, including our, our theme, which is driver's ed for the World Wide Web. And this is huge. This is really huge. Big topic and something I think you're going to be very interested in. But before we get to that, Rhett, what, what else do we have to talk about here on this podcast? Well, I wanted to share with you uh, kind of a captivated testimony that was kind of exciting to me because it was a a good friend of mine, um, somebody that Emily and I, my wife and I, went to school with. Um, She married a pastor, and they were planting a church in Rockford, Illinois. And uh, her husband was an avid video game player and a a movie junkie. And uh, so a couple years ago, not quite two years ago, I gave them a copy of Captivated and just said, you know, hey, this is something that I've been involved with and shared with them about it. And uh, it sat on their shelf for nearly two years. Wow. And and they finally uh, took a moment and watched it. And uh, as our friend was relating to Emily, uh, just how much it impacted their lives. And they said that it was just perfect timing. Um, they ended up moving uh, to a different state, to work in a different church. And right at that moment uh, that they were moving, they had seen this film and decided, we've got to make some changes. So uh, they sold all of the gaming consoles that they had, got rid of all their movies, got rid of all their games, and uh, just started over. And it was just a good time for them to do that. And they're just, they're excited about um, just a chance to start over as a couple Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, because the earlier, not only for them as a couple, but, uh, you know, as they begin to have children, even more, mm-hmm. more critical. So that's a great testimony. I wonder how many copies of Captivated are sitting out there, you know, un- yeah, unwatched. Know. And uh, so maybe we need to, maybe some of our podcast listeners, if you think about it, you know, join us in prayer once in a while. Just pray for those copies that are out there that need to be watched. And also... Uh, you know, there there are still a lot of people that have not seen Captivated that probably could benefit from it, and so we're all we're praying and continuing to to ask the Lord to open up doors for the documentary to to get out into other people's hands. We're so grateful for those of you out there that have been very helpful in spreading the word or buying copies and giving them away. Uh, we're just very thankful. 
And also, uh, we did hear from one of our newest podcast listeners, Pam from Iowa. We want to just give a shout out to Pam. She sent us uh, an email. We always appreciate that. And we'll be responding uh, to Pam's email soon. But that just came in uh, very, very recently and and gave us hope that we have at least one podcast listener out there. So thank Mm -hmm. you, Pam. And uh, if there are more than one of you out there, other podcast listeners, and you want to send us just a, a... just say hello to Rhett and Philip. You can do that at podcast at mediatalk101.org. Now, also earlier this month, Rhett, you sent me a link to a video. Now, that's mm-hmm. that doesn't happen very often. Thank you. You know, <laughs> people, people that uh, know me know better than to be filling my inbox with a bunch of silly videos. But you sent me a link to a video, and when Rhett Simpkins sends a link to a video... I know that it's it's got to have something purposeful in it. There's some meaningful. So I'm not going to give it away. But after I saw this video, I thought, wow, you know, we need to share this with our podcast listeners. And we can't share it over, you know, audio. So you'll have to go to the website. And uh, we have a, a place in our blog for videos where we post videos that we come across. You can... Uh, find that video there if you'd like to see it. So there we have it. We can't even tell you anything about it. It would just give it away. <laughs> you just have to go. You have to go watch it. You, you actually you don't have to watch it. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it. We here. This is the media talk people here. <laughs> you know, telling someone to go watch something. Uh, you don't. Your life won't be uh, any better or worse possibly for for not having watched it. <laughs> but. Once you see, I think it's pretty short, maybe two minutes, three minutes at yeah. the most. Mm-hmm. So um, it's if you're inclined, let's put it this way: if you're inclined to watch something, then this would be something worth spending two to three minutes watching. Now, there's uh, you you mentioned also that there was some very sobering news uh, local there, right in Mount Carroll, and you want to share about that? That's also pertinent to uh, our podcast as well as kind of a segue in what we'll be talking about today. Yeah, um, an infor- unfortunate uh, thing happened where um, I went to get my car fixed and the guy who was fixing it happened to also be a volunteer fireman and he uh, he ended up having to cancel our appointment, call me back later because there was a car accident and uh, I could tell when I met up with him to work on my car that he was really shook up over the whole thing and uh it it was a a young girl 17 years old who uh, they believe was texting and driving got in a one car accident and it took her life this is so tragic and it's um it, it is becoming so common unfortunately and there are there are many you know there's a lot of warnings out there that and many public service announcements and and information out there to to explain and to help people understand that texting and driving is not a good thing. You you cannot do both. Uh, it's it's not you cannot multitask uh, driving and texting at the same time. It's what they call rapid task switching. So that when you are focused on the phone, you are no longer uh, focused on driving. You're you're actually driving blind, and this has become more dangerous than even drinking. Well. 
it's not as dangerous as drinking. It's it's as dangerous as drinking and driving. It's just statistically there are more texting and driving accidents now that have surpassed the drinking and driving accidents. Mm. And the sad thing is, is not only does it affect the person that's that's texting and driving, but also uh, it can it can take the life of other innocent people that mm-hmm. uh, are not texting and driving. One of the uh, speaking of videos, one that we won't post on our website, but if you want to go look it up, you can. Several years ago, the uh, Kent Police Department and this is over in England, put together a public service announcement on texting and driving. And they uh, put together a little scenario of a, of a girl texting and driving and causing a, a multi-car pileup. I talked about that video in an article I wrote years ago on the subject of violence. And as far as I know, that video is still available. It is, it's a representation of this, this accident being caused and the, the carnage and just how it affects so many people by one foolish decision. And it's a very, very troubling video, but it was designed for the purpose of helping teens know that this is this is no game. And uh, in fact, that video is so graphic that you have to be at least 17 years old to even view it on YouTube. Mm. So they have some restrictions on it. But certainly one that... Um, I would recommend for parents with teens who are going to be driving, uh, I would say, I would recommend, you know, sitting down and watching that to, to help them understand the severity of this subject. Now, that leads us to, to what we want to talk about today, which is what we're calling driver's ed for the World Wide Web. And over the years, last several years, I've had many people come and talk to me about uh, their their family and internet, the internet. And I, I've been using an example and an analogy of comparing kind of what we do as a, as a household in regard to the internet in training our children with kind of our, what we understand uh, with, with a driving driver's ed courses. So uh, let me just read something to you, Rhett, that I've been, uh, I, I just kind of penned this recently and we'll we'll kick it off with this little story. So, okay. Johnny is 8 years old. He lives in the suburbs of a large city and he collects matchbox cars and builds amazing creations with Legos. Now, one day, he asks his mom for the keys of their car. Why? Is the reply from Johnny's mom? Because I want to drive the car. She gasps with dismayed shock. This is some joke, right? No, I'm not joking. I want to drive the car. And his mom responds, you can't drive the car. That's nonsense. Why not? Because it's nonsense. Why? Well, for one, his mom replies, it's not legal. And even if it were, you don't know how to drive. You couldn't even reach the pedals. It's not safe. You would get into an accident. And injure or kill yourself and, and be a threat to others. Where in the world, what in the world makes you think uh, that this would be something I would allow? Mom, all my friends are allowed to drive, and I've been riding in a car all my life, and I've watched you and dad drive, so I know I could do it. His mom replies, Well, whether you could, whether you could or not, 
is beside the point. Driving can be dangerous and you need training and testing and a valid license. So Johnny asks, can I get my license? No. Why not? Because you're not old enough. When you turn 15, you can take a written test and get a permit. Then you have to have driving instruction and prove that you can drive safely. Now, that's as far as I got on my little story. What did you think, Rhett? I like it, yeah. Okay. Uh, It's not so far-fetched. I mean, don't you think that that was a reasonable response from this hypothetical situation? Mm -hmm. In fact, it seems to be a little bit ridiculous uh, to, to think otherwise, but yet... Now, there there are kids, by the way, out there. I, I know friends that ha- live on farms, and their children are driving at young ages. I don't know if they're driving at eight, but probably not too much longer after that. But that's a, uh, you know, that's an exception kind of to the rule. Uh, so kids can drive. They have, some of them have the ability to do that, but there are good reasons why. You know, all 50 states right now uh, require written and and driving tests in order for you to eventually get a driver's license and as well as as age limits uh, there's a reason why car insurance is is high for for young people and so that's why we have things like driver's ed now you know as a homeschool family talking about the subject not of, of the internet right now we're going to get to that in a moment but uh as a homeschool family, you know, it's it's more challenging when it comes to this whole idea of, of driver's education because those courses are often uh, provided through government schools. Now, in Texas, uh, I learned recently that it's possible to actually teach the driver's ed course at home. Um, and that's great. You can't do that in Illinois, but you can do that in Texas, and you do it through a, a qualified program. So I recently signed up for this. You know, I signed my oldest daughter up to to begin taking driver's ed courses. And boy, when I began looking through the materials, the tests, the written exams, the the videos they have to watch, the audio you have to listen to, my goodness, I was I was like, wow, this is I loved it. This is great because what I loved and and by the way, I'll give just a, a plug here for this this program if you happen to be in Texas. Uh, I've not, we've not gone through it yet, but uh, it's called uh, Driver's Ed in a Box. And I think there's I think it works in multiple states, but uh, I recently met the man who put this together. And so Driver's Ed in a Box. And one of the things that I really uh, appreciated about this is that their goal is not just to help your child get their driver's license. Uh, their goal is to help your child to be a collision-free driver. Now, what parent wouldn't want their child to be a collision-free driver? I mean, that's the goal. You know, we don't want them just get the license. So, we want we want them to be collision-free. And I be I've been really thinking about this and using the analogy of driver's education for helping parents understand the importance of training their children when it comes to driving, so to speak, on the World Wide Web. And that's why we're calling this Driver's Ed for the World Wide Web. And and just kind of a commercial here, we're actually in the process of developing a curriculum for families that will be called just that, Driver's Ed for the World Wide Web, coming to you from Media Talk 101, and we hope it'll be a helpful resource and tool. 
And so what we're going to be talking about today is kind of the direction that this is going to go. And so you're going to hear it here first because there's so many, you know, I was just got back from a couple conferences and lots of parents asking about this subject. And so we're, Rhett, let's, uh, let's talk about some of the analogies that work. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to have some questions here, which is interesting. One of the, I got this free download from Drivers Ed in a Box on how to avoid seven deadly mistakes parents make when choosing driver education. So it's a consumer's guide. Obviously, this is a plug to, to make you believe that Drivers Ed in a Box is the best thing in the box. So uh, on the block. And, but here was, here was some questions that I thought, think about this in regard to the internet. Uh, even though these questions are being asked in regard to driving. These are for the parents. Has the driving environment changed since you learned to drive? Hmm. So think about that Absolutely. in regard to the World Wide Web. Uh, does it appear that there are more aggressive drivers today? Hmm. So this, this certainly applies as we think about the analogy to the internet. Are there any changes in the vehicles that make it more dangerous to drive? There, there's something to think about. Mm -hmm. uh, I love this one. Are today's teens facing more challenges than we did when we were teenagers? I mean, this is good stuff. I mean, yeah. you just you just apply this to the internet, and you begin to see. Wow, we got some things to talk about. Um, in fact, one of the reasons why driver's ed is so important is because uh, one of the statistics I saw in there that there are. Uh, in 2010, there were 3,513 teen driving deaths that were, uh, I'll quote from their video, stupid preventable collisions. Hmm. And we want to help our children in regard to the internet be collision-free uh, internet users. You know, and we're, when we talk about collisions, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that on you know so so what are what are some of the collisions Rhett? what might come to the to your mind when you think of internet collisions well i guess the first thing that would come to mind would be uh you know viewing pornography okay that's a big one yeah but it's not the only one what mm -hmm. else what are, what are some other collisions on the internet today uh social networking you know just the freedom of spreading all kinds of information that probably shouldn't be public. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So social networks, which come with all sorts of issues. Um, you know what? We have an article that you can read called Web 2.0 Woes, you know, which has a little bit to talk about some of that, some of those things. What else? What, what might be some other issues regarding the web? Um, I guess... You know, viewing anything that's inappropriate, whether that be like what I mentioned before or violent kind of things. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can basically anything, almost anything for good or for bad can be found on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, so so just general, you know, what you're going to be witnessing is an issue. But also some of the things that come to my mind are even just time wasting, mm -hmm. you know, how you, how you spend your time. It can be a big time sink. When I think of uh, some of the, some of the collisions that are out there. One, uh, another thing are just 
uh, things like identity theft. These are these are issues. Hmm. When we think of the internet, we also think have to think of email, which is part of the internet. And so you have issues like spam, uh, which oh my goodness, I've been having so much trouble uh, with spam. I, my email address got sold to a spammer, probably because of well-meaning friends or acquaintances that have included my email address uh, in other email, you know, that they've sent that was not blind carbon copied and mm. easily, easily grabbed. These are, you know, this is uh, one of the things that I'm going to be teaching my children about is trying to guard your email address from from people that really shouldn't have it. Uh, so, so my inbox was getting just slammed and slammed and slammed and now I'm I'm using multiple programs and and ways to try to to get it under control and I think it, for the most part it's it's uh, getting much better but spam that's something that's uh, but I think some other of these of these collisions that we found you know we, certainly pornography which you mentioned uh, other other content there's there's moral collisions there's there's uh, money collisions. I mean, mm. you can find yourself getting into trouble with your money if you're not careful on the internet. There's the the morality issues. There's the identity issues. There there are several uh, things that can and distractions. So there's there's an issue you know which gets into the texting and driving, texting and driving. That's still an internet based. I mean. It's it's not. I mean, sure, a text message we don't think of as the internet, but it's still the same concept of this connectivity to one another, and so I I'll, I would lump that right into the same ideas that that we'll be talking about in regard to the internet are going to apply uh, to texting as well because it's a, a networked access to one another. So let me let me share with you, Rhett, how this usually goes with with a parent that comes to me and says, what, what do I do in the home? We've got issues. We got problems. Do you have any recommendations? And here's the big shocker. The, what do you, what do you think is the big shocker? I have four children. So can you take, can you take a guess, Rhett, what what I might tell this per, this person that asked me these questions that will come across as very odd to them? Um, Probably that your children don't really have access to the internet. I don't know. That's it. Bingo. You nailed it. <laughs> you know, so so when when uh, when parents come and ask me about what what uh, what kind of tools or resources or things I can help them in regard to their children being on the internet, I say, well, uh, do you give your do you give the keys to your of your car to your children? And they look at me. With this, and that's why I opened up with this little story, and that's why I'm working on writing this little story. Actually, that little story, Rhett, by the way, and for our podcast listeners, is uh, for uh, a chapter in the new book that I'm putting together. Hmm. So uh, I figured I might as well write a chapter called uh, Driver's Ed for the World Wide Web. So I I was working on that for the book. But, uh, you know, when I ask a parent, would you give the keys of your car? To your eight-year-old, they would look at me like, well, no. <laughs> well, why? Why wouldn't you do that? And it's all those reasons we listed. I mean, they're, it's not legal. It's not safe. Their feet can't reach the pedals. And, and so there's this sense of danger. 
You know, like this is a dangerous thing. Now, but we wouldn't say, I mean, do you expect that your child will, are you saying your child will never drive? Well, no, you know, just because you don't turn the keys of your car over to your eight-year-old to go take a cruise, um, that doesn't mean that you don't expect them to drive sometime. And when, we, when it comes to the internet, the fact that my eight-year-olds do not have access to the internet does not mean that there won't be a day that they'll be driving. Mm-hmm. But I, I have adopted an approach uh, in regard to the internet, much like this idea of driving, where there are issues regarding um, stages of life and age appropriateness. And so the one of the things that I would I would really hope parents could could understand is that it's not necessary that their young children uh, are on the internet, especially unfettered access, unaccompanied access. I mean, sure, your children ride in a car with you, and that's because you are a safe driver. And so as we talk about young children, even from the time that they're infants up until their teen years, there's this stage that uh, that we've adopted in our family, which is the access that my children have to the internet is with a parent. You know, just, just like the access they have to a vehicle is with a responsible adult that's driving. Because we're, we have their not only our own safety in mind, but their safety in mind and the safety of others on the road. So I don't let my children drive. And likewise, I don't let my children drive on the internet. Now, as they get older, they get into a new stage, just like my do- my oldest daughter uh, is now old enough to have a learner's permit, and she's actually old enough to have a driver's license. We just got a little bit of a late start. And we, we took that same approach with her to the internet, beginning with email. And so several years ago, we uh, she got her email learner's permit, which basically I set up an email address for her. But we also sat down and talked about some basic rules. And some of the basic rules that uh, that I had for her was, uh, you know, I want you to to be careful about who you share your email with. It's got to be people that you know. Um, I also set up the email so that I'm copied on it. And to be honest, I don't anymore. I don't uh, tend to even check that because I trust my daughter. But at the same time, I have that access. And so the and I wanted to monitor. And one of the reasons I wanted to monitor was not only uh, for safety, but so that I could, maybe I didn't think about some things, you know, like one of the other things we talked about was forwards, you know, so that she would send out uh, a, a friendly letter to her friends, just helping them understand that she's not allowed to receive forwards, you know, which are very popular on uh, an email or attachments. So so we had these we had these basic set of rules, but I was also wanting to make sure that she was using good uh, good email etiquette and, and grammar and not just falling into some of the, the traps in today's um, modern day where where language is being uh, diminished and and so I really wanted her to understand how it is to compose an email and, and all of that. And so that began several years ago. 
and with monitoring. And in fact, you know, on the subject of monitoring, Rhett, you mentioned something recently that you came across in an in an old magazine. Yeah, I uh, had a stack of old Time magazines, and this one was from 1999. And so the internet had been around for a while, but there's an article called Raising Kids Online, What Can Parents Do? And uh, so it goes all through some of the issues that, um, and and it's funny, some of the lingo that they use, you know, being 15 years ago, it's kind of uh, outdated and you could see how much the internet has changed even since then. But the thing that they they said in here that really stood out was, um, this is what they said, they said, Everyone agrees that the most effective way to monitor kids' online activity is to monitor it, literally, to stand beside the, com- the computer from time to time when your son is at it, at the keyboard, watching his every mouse click. And so even then, you know, they emphasize the fact that the parents need to be involved and they need to be monitoring what their children are doing. Yes. In fact, that's one of the, the things that we've been teaching at Media Talk 101 in regard to media consumption in general that uh, one, of the st- one of the action steps for parents in regard to ongoing discernment and the everyday media diet is to be monitoring. And so the, this idea of even email, you know, monitoring and uh, just helping to provide guidance. Then, you know, the next stage that, that my oldest daughter w- was in, and now my, my son is, is now just entering that in very, very little, little ways, and I'll explain about that in a moment, is what we'd call the learner permit stage, you know, where you don't have a license to drive solo, but you are going to get to get behind the wheel, uh, in this case, get behind the mouse, and uh, be in front of the screen, be the, be the driver, so to speak, but not without a supervision. And so that begin, begins the next phase, you know, in our home, in preparation, because once again, the goal is I want my children to grow up to be responsible drivers, so to speak, uh, when it comes to the internet. I want them to be able to avoid uh, the collisions, the pitfalls, the traps that are set for them out there so that they can get the good out of the internet without falling into the many traps out there. And that, I believe, is going to take a tremendous amount of training. And that's what, you know, that's where really what occurred to me as I, I got this driver's in a box for my daughter Elizabeth as I was looking at what they require. It's a lot of parental involvement. You can't just, you know, when you're, when you're signing up for this, you know, what was making me sweat bullets was not the fact that my daughter was going to have to go through all this work. It was like gulp. I've got to be responsible to go through all this. I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm, I need to be with her. In fact, they part of this kit that I got included two special mirrors. Uh, so when once once she gets her permit and once we begin to, to do our driving lessons together, which I remember the first, as I was looking at the first lesson is in, you know, happens at two hours in a parking lot, you know, going through some instruction and very, very detailed uh, instruction with little projects that you do. And, but it, the kit comes with two different mir- mirrors. One's a rear view mirror that sticks on for the parents so that you can kind of see what they're also seeing through the rear view mirror without craning your head backwards. The other one is a second little circular mirror which you stick up so that you can watch your your um, ch- child's eyes hmm. and keep instead of, you know, it would make you very nervous if you're 
if your parent was, you know, just staring you down the whole time, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, while you're trying to learn to drive. And so this, this mirror is there so that you can be looking forward, but looking up in the mirror and seeing where their eyes are at. And, but the idea there is this, it's monitoring, you know, monitoring and why? Uh, because we want them to be safe. We want them to stay safe and we want them to keep others safe out there. And that's the same approach, I believe, that we should take with the internet. Now, as I mentioned before, people look at me so cross-eyed and think, you are so out of step because in our culture, it's, it's unfortunately become a given that you let children have access to the internet. Mm -hmm. And and to me, this has completely befuddled me. And, and for our podcast listeners, you have to understand that over the last 10 years, and even prior to that as uh, serving as a youth pastor and, and ministering to a lot of young people, but for the last 10 years traveling the country and interacting with people in regard to media, I've encountered way, way, way too many stories of, of internet collisions, so to speak, in regard to very young children on the internet. Uh, being exposed to pornography, getting involved in, in things, video games that they shouldn't have been involved with, um, wasting time, getting distracted, uh, the, the whole gamut, and beginning at a very, very young age. One of, the, uh, one of the real heartbreaking stories, I might have shared this before on a podcast, but I'll share it again. I was at somebody's house, uh, they, uh, some friends of ours uh, staying for a weekend. They were hosting me. I was in the area for some ministry. And they had they had relatives. They actually had their children and grandchildren visiting. And on Saturday morning, Grandma was making this uh, great breakfast for everybody. And so now you have three generations potentially. You have grandparents, parents, and then the grandchildren. But one of the grandchildren were missing from the breakfast table. And and so the grandparent asks, "Where is you know? I'm just going to call this little boy Johnny since that's a good generic name. So where's Johnny?" And they're like, oh, Johnny's on the computer upstairs playing, I don't know, it's the, you know, you buy these little pets and or these little stuffed animals and then there's an online program. I forget what it's even called. But whatever it was, this child, which was, I, I think the boy was maybe five or six at the most, uh, completely missing out on this multi-generational breakfast, uh, something that could be a memory uh, to be on the computer. Um, on the internet without any supervision, I was I was shocked. Now that's that's toward the the more mellow level of heading toward a collision, <laughs> but but I've had many stories of eight year olds that have uh, gotten trapped through internet pornography and and on and on the stories go, and so I th I know those are anecdotal, but they're but they're real life stories. And over the years, it's I've just come to the place where I realized, you know what, it's it's not a safe environment for a child. Are there are there child appropriate things out there? Sure there are. Are there some good things that can be found? Sure. Well, then you the parent's gonna have to get involved. You know, the parent needs to be involved in that case because it's not safe to give the keys over to the eight year old. It's not safe to let them drive solo. There needs to be parental involvement. So so that's that's kind of the approach that we've taken and, and a lot of parents that just balk at that I mean, that's their right to balk at that, but once again, um, we don't balk at that in regard to when it comes to driving cars, and yet we know that the internet has all sorts of, of uh, traps out there and, and safety problems. 
So then the next the next stage that you know going from the, the permit stage is one where we're gonna we're going to let the child have a little more more liberty at what they do with regulations because that's the thing you know even when you're when you're teaching drivers education some of the the things that are so important are you know the rules of the road understanding the signs that are out there understanding what are the what are the laws that are put into place you have to know all of that even before you get a permit you take a written exam to to show i understand these things but how many parents have actually sat down with their children and helped them to understand before they ever got on the internet uh, what are some of the stumbling blocks out of there? What what are the uh, issues that they're going to be facing? And that's what I've found is is missing for the most part. Our parents are have not taken an active involvement, and that's what we want to encourage through this driver's ed for the World Wide Web. We want parents to understand that their involvement is so necessary, just like the article Rhett, that you read uh, from 1999. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so. Um, and so once they once they have their permit, once they understand the rules of the road, that there are guidelines, that that uh, there's going to be, you know, time restrictions. There's going to be website restrictions. There's going to be search restrictions. Uh, so those would be the rules and laws and signs. But then there's, you know, when you're learning to drive, you're learning the techniques, the fundamentals. You know, you're mastering skills, and and there are actually skills that need to be mastered when it comes to the internet and uh, let me just list some things here where you know we don't think of how we're going to have to train our children they're going to have to learn how to do searches like google searches or any other internet search how to do careful safe searches because why, why would that be right why would we need to teach children how to do a safe search let's say the child is getting on the internet and they don't have any intention of getting into trouble but they're going to do an internet search. Why would we need to teach them about safe searches? Well, there are just common terms that um, have double meanings that could bring up some bad things, but there's also uh, a marketing, you know, there's an industry out there trying to use common phrases to trap people. That's right. The pornography in, uh, industry will actually have, have targeted children and teens, you know, by uh, using very, very popular search engine words to to target them and so that's one issue but there's also just the scams and things out there you know i don't know how many websites i've come across and began to learn wow i need to be more careful there are websites that are being generated out there that really don't have anything to do with the subject that you're trying to find Mm -hmm. they just i don't know how they do this maybe tech savvy people could explain this how they do this but it's almost like you put in the search and and they've somehow created a website that can just you know have those words or something on a page in order to get you to click only so that they can get um ad revenue you know from you visiting their website and and some of these are harmless but some of them could be actually harmful you know you're kind of being lured as well as that you know when it comes to email they have uh, the phishing schemes p-h-i-s-h phishing schemes which are these these phony um, scams to get you to click on something in order to either uh, implant malware on your computer or to get you to buy something uh, that you really shouldn't be buying or that doesn't exist there, there are all sorts of scams so even knowing how to do safe searches. 
Another thing that um, when it comes to teaching them techniques, here's a technique, and these are some of the things that we're going to explore when we put together this curriculum uh, that we're working on. And there's too much that we can talk to talk about in one podcast, but I'm going to throw out some ideas and hopefully get parents to be thinking about them. And then if you've got ideas and you want to help contribute to this project, then certainly email us with the things that you've learned as a parent and the ideas that you have. And so one of the, one of the things uh, that I've been teaching uh, adults as well as, as teens for years is that whatever you do, don't surf. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about, uh, you know, you know, we're talking about internet surfing. It's one thing if you want to go to the East Coast or the West Coast or the Gulf Coast or even one of these water parks that allow you to, to do surfing, you know, on a surfboard. That's one thing. That can be enjoyable, I'm sure. But uh, when it comes to internet surfing, the idea of surfing is like, hey, I'm just going to get online. I'm just going to get out there in this big worldwide web, this ocean, and I'm just going to hang out and catch some wave that comes by. Well, believe me, there are a lot of waves that you can catch surfing out on the World Wide Web, and most of them lead to shark tanks. Hmm. Most of them lead to, you know, the the man of war jellyfish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or is that a jellyfish? I don't know. The man of war? I think so. Um, you know, stinging jellyfish and uh, traps and, and things. And so I I really believe that one of the techniques that any of us can benefit from are, is to simply not be on the internet unless you have a clear purpose and goal. So let's let's use the driving analogy here. So you're, let's talk about your, your teenage son and he's got his driver's license so that he can drive solo. And he shows up in the someday and says, hey, could I have the keys to the car? And you say, where are you going? Oh, I don't know. I just want to go somewhere. I'm kind of bored, and I don't know what to do with myself. Oh, so you don't know how far you're going to go. If it's five miles or it's 500 miles. Nope, nope, I can't tell you whether it's going to be five miles or 500 miles. I can't tell you where I'm going to go, how long I'm going to be there, or when I'm going to get back. Now, what parent would say that that was a wise decision? Yeah, sure, I'm going to give you the keys to the car. No, that's like, you would say that that's not wise at all. I, I don't want my, I don't want you taking the car out and just willy-nilly, just uh, meandering around and cruising. You know, <laughs> of course, that was very popular, but even, you know, this idea today of just, you know, giving the keys to your car and letting them, I mean, it's just not safe. And likewise, on the internet, you know, you need to have a purpose. If you're, if you're bored, if you don't know what to do with yourself, then do yourself a favor and your family a favor. Don't get on the internet. I mean, that's just, uh, it, unless you have some clear direction and purpose, and you know, and that's just in life in general. We need to uh, be careful about out purpose. So there's, there's one example. Um, another thing that people ask me about is, what, what do you recommend for an internet filter? And Rhett, you know the answer to this one. What do I recommend for an internet filter? The fear of the Lord. That's right. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And people look at me like, oh, so you don't believe in internet filters? Well, no, I didn't say that. You know, there are there are internet filters and there's internet reporting software out there. Uh, I've used both of those. 
But I guarantee you, parents, your children are savvy. They're tech savvy. And many times, you know, we they, there are ways that they can get around reporting. They can get around uh, filters. And so the essential thing is the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And so that that's going to take more time as well as a parent to sit down with your children and to teach them what it means uh, the fear of the Lord. We have a whole podcast series on the fear of the Lord, but um, but that's not as important as a parent teaching what it means to fear the Lord and demonstrating that in their own life, what it means to have the fear of the Lord in their life. And from there, certainly there are lots of different programs. In the past, we've used Covenant Eyes. Uh, I'm right now using just Microsoft's uh, reporting software. It's like a free free program. So I'm using that on a on a laptop that my oldest daughter uses, and uh, gives me a weekly report. Uh, there are there are countless numbers of things out there. But once again, if your child doesn't have the fear of the Lord, or if your spouse doesn't have the fear of the Lord, then there's always ways to get around that. Uh, but there's not a way to get around the Lord. He sees everything. You know, it says mm-hmm. the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, that He may show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So we see that God sees everything. He's looking for those that will be loyal to him. And for those that are not loyal, uh, then he sees that as well. And so we, we need the fear of the Lord. Now, the the other thing in regard to ways that, that children get around is just today there is so much access to the internet. And as a parent, you have to be aware that it's not just as we talk about a car. You know how many cars you have. <laughs> Maybe we have we have two vehicles. We have an RV and we have our minivan, and those are the only two vehicles that. And I guarantee you, I'm not letting my children drive the RV for a long time. <laughs> you know, so even if they do get a license, uh, they're not going to be driving the RV. But um, so we have we have one car. But when it comes to the internet, parents are sometimes ignorant of how many access points are actually in their home. Or accessible to their children you know everything from the public library internet access at the public library to friends smartphones to some of the gaming de- many of the gaming devices now uh, connect via Wi-Fi and uh, so these are things so here, here's another analogy that we can talk about is I've been mentioning the keys to the car so what do you suppose the keys to the car would be Rhett for the internet uh, or what what could it be? I mean it could be a lot of things, yeah, but what it could, could it be, be it could be a password. You know, you There can... we go. <laughs> Boy, that's simple. <laughs> you know, so so parents ask me like what do you so how do you do it? How do you keep your children safe, you know, on the internet? Well, I tell them first of all they're not on the internet until they get older and I go through that whole process, then they have the training permit and uh, it's parental supervision and and even now none of them really have unfettered access to the internet. But I've got the keys to the car, meaning all of our connected devices are password protected. And we don't let those passwords out, you know, so the kids don't know them. And uh, only my wife and I know them. Now, once again, my daughter, who's 16, and she's getting, you know, showing herself trustworthy, you know, she has on one of the computers an account that we've got set up, and she has her own password. So... Basically, we and likewise, she also has a set of keys to our our vehicle, even though she's not uh, technically driving out on the road yet. But we live out on 99 acres, and we have a half mile driveway. And she's 
uh, driving just about every day down our driveway and picking up the mail or putting the garbage out, you know, at the at the at the road and driving back. So she's she actually does have a, a set of keys to the car. But once again, if you look at that analogy, it's limited, you know, for this for this time in her life, it's limited. And so we we've done the same thing with the computer. She has uh, a password and an account set up, but it's it's limited. Uh, but that's that's a simple thing, you know. There are a lot of practices that are that you would hope would be no-brainers for families, but uh, some have not just thought through this. You know, making sure that any computer or device that's connect, that can connect to the internet is kept in a public place where it's viewable. You know, once again, this has to do with monitoring. So there are, there are not devices all around the house that can be accessed by just anybody without supervision. And those are simple things. And once again, there are going to be parents out there that'll say, well, that makes my job more difficult. Or that's just out of step with, with the rest of culture. Well, yes, it is out of step with the rest, rest of culture. But the rest of culture is uh, is having... All, all of these collisions in their homes and their children are having all these internet collisions, so to speak, that are causing so much trouble. And then I hear from the parent, <laughs> you know, then I hear from them when, when there's been the, this issue or that issue. And so I thought it was interesting also looking at this driver's ed in a box, which we got from my daughter, that they had some, some statistics just for the state of Texas that uh, people that go through their program the, they actually have a guarantee, uh, your, your money back guarantee that your, the first year of your child's driving will be collision free. And that's because they've invested so much time in helping the parent help their child understand all of these pitfalls and all the things in order to be safe in, in what they're doing. And so the uh, what was interesting is I think the collision rate for teens in their first year of driving uh, in Texas that have gone through this driver's in a box, I think it was one, if I remember right, it was like 1.4%. And uh, just a regular driver's ed course, you know, so those that didn't take this particular course, but just took a driver's ed course, which is maybe just trying to help them get their license, I think the percentage was 10.4%. Hmm. So uh, a big difference. And that's what we're hoping that a podcast like this or, you know, as we continue to work on a curriculum would be helpful to say we want to help parents uh, to be more engaged in their family so that they can have uh, a more a, a safe, safer experience and a good experience when it comes to the Internet rather than something that's just catastrophic or, or the collisions that we tend to encounter. And the, the, the parents that I'm encountering where they're not having issues in regard to the internet at home, where the, where it's not the it, it's not the um, you know the it's like the it's the analogy of fire where you teach when you teach your children at a young age to respect fire, you know mm-hmm. that look look the fire is not bad it can be used for good if you handle it carefully but if you don't handle it carefully it can burn you and it can hurt and it could burn the house down and and so if you teach your children at a young age. That's much better than being a parent later on, having to go and put out fires that your children are starting. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've seen in regard to the internet. A lot of parents trying to put out fires because they didn't take the time to teach their children uh, fire safety, so to speak. But the families that are doing well, 
and the and the ones that I've interacted with that have the good report are the ones that have done this. They they have taken the time, they've invested the time to to come alongside and understand that there are stages and and they need to help that child walk through each of those stages. Now, Rhett, there's so much more that we can say on this and that we can't say in this podcast, but that's why we're going to continue, you and I and, and maybe some other contributors, to work towards putting some of this information together uh, for parents. And do you have any any thoughts, closing thoughts, Rhett? What about some uh, a theme verse or, or you know, we want to always point people back to scriptures. What, what might come to your mind that would be helpful for parents in in what we've been talking about in regard to the scriptures? Well, certainly our theme verse for Media Talk 101 comes to mind. Okay, and what's that? Hebrews 12, 2. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's right. So understanding that uh, there are there's weight and there's sin out there that can that can be a trap for us. I think of uh, many of the Proverbs, you know, Proverbs 1, 8, hmm. where it says, My son, hear the instruction of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. And it goes on from there to talk about the benefits of that. And most of these Proverbs do. They give the warning and they give the benefit or they give the warning and they say what the consequence is for not heeding those instructions. But that's what we're talking about is the importance of children being instructed by mom and dad because it's not just dad it's it's both mom and dad proverbs 4 1 says hear my children the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding and then later on in proverbs 4 verse 13 it says take firm hold of instruction do not let go keep her for she is your life and that's what we want children to understand that as parents as we help them navigate this digital landscape especially in regard to the World Wide Web, that uh, we're, we have their life, uh, our, their, their, inter- you know, their interest in our heart. You know, we're not just trying to make life more difficult for them. We want them to experience life to the fullest and not fall into that counterfeit mm-hmm. life. And, uh, you know, there are so many, so many uh, Proverbs. You know, Proverbs 6.23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp and the law a light reproofs of instruction are the way of life and so as a parent when it comes to the internet we need to we need to provide the commandments the regulations the rules the guidance the instruction and that becomes a light it helps them see through the darkness and then when we have to bring correction those reproofs are actually the way of life and so let's let's close with one more analogy here so let's say your child has a driver's license. They, they you, know, you give them the keys to their car, they're going to go on their first solo drive. And you're not, yeah, a parent, you know, this is a nerve-wracking thing. And they go out and they get in a car wreck. Wow. I mean, can you imagine how disappointing that would mm-hmm. be? <laughs> so, so your child gets in a car wreck their first time out. Now, it doesn't mean that they're never going to drive again. <laughs> but, um, but, what I mean, Rhett, your your children aren't that old yet, but let's say this was your child. Your boys grow up, and and their first time out, they wreck the car. What would your approach be? Well, I guess we would have to start back further and lead back up toward where we, they can have the keys again. You know, 
Exactly. Exactly. More instruction, more supervision, until they can prove that, that they can do this safely. So the same thing. So when I hear a parent that says, wow, my child, my 12-year-old got on the internet and viewed pornography. Well, then take the keys to the car away from them and start giving them instruction and and monitor them again and and once again so you don't just hand the key well let's just hand the keys back over you wouldn't do that with a 16 or 17 year old uh if if uh, they went out and crashed your car so this is serious business in fact i'll tell a story i, I said i was going to wrap this up but <laughs> i got to tell this story right because you know we'll end kind of on a somewhat of a light moment but it fits in my brother i'm going to tell a story on my older brother eric and I love him dearly, but uh, when he was 15 years old, he had his learner's permit. And my father at the time was pastoring a small church in Terrebonne, Oregon, which was about 20 minutes uh, from, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 20 minutes south of our little town of, of Madras, Oregon, where I grew up. And and so we would have this 20-minute drive to church and this 20-minute drive back, and my dad thought this is a great opportunity for for his son to get some driving experience. So parents are there, he's got his permit. And one day we were driving back from church and the road, we lived about two miles outside of town at, on the country and the road we lived on uh, when coming from the direction we were coming from was, was tighter than a 90 degree turn. So it was an angled street and it was a really, really tight turn. And on each side of the street was a um, irrigation ditch road which was probably about 10 or 12 feet it was like a 12 maybe a 12 foot bank and then another dirt road which followed the irrigation uh ditch um which was which is common out there and so you know it's pretty treacherous you got this this kind of a drop off on either side of the road well here's my brother eric driving and he's uh and he's got a car riding the the tail of our car and that's really uncomfortable, even if you're an experienced driver. Mm-hmm. But you imagine if you're an inexperienced driver and all you see in your rearview mirror is a big truck or something. We were in a little Honda Accord. And so all five of us packed into this little Honda Accord and we're getting up to our the turn. And I remember my dad just kind of had, had this panic sound in his voice. Eric, slow down. Eric, shift down. <laughs> Eric slow down <laughs> and the, and it just became more and more intense and uh my brother being nervous with the car behind him had not shifted or slowed down enough but then he tried to take the corner at about 45 miles an hour <laughs> and, mm. and so we're like this is like hollywood screech you know and, and the car went into a slide and we didn't make the corner and we went off that 12 foot bank at least 12 feet it might have been more and uh, the car went careening down and uh, hit the, you know, hit the bottom, buckling the car. My that was before the days of seatbelt laws. Both my my brother and my father, who were in the front two front seats, they both broke the windshield with their heads. Wow! And uh, I was in the in the middle of the back seat, and I was also not seat belted. Here's another analogy here about laws, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I was I was thrown forward, and I. I actually knocked the mirror, the rearview mirror, off the windshield with my head. Um, I was the only one, by the way, who ended up in the hospital that day. But um, 
the funny the funny part of the story, and, and I was telling this story recently uh, because it involved my younger brother. During those days, that was in the uh, 80s, you know, one of the popular TV shows we used to watch was like the, you know, the Dukes of Hazard, you know, and, and uh, but any show during the 80s, which involved cars or car uh, things, you know, what, what happens, Rhett, in Hollywood when a car crashes? I, I can't think. <laughs> oh, man. It blows up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They, they they always blow up. You always got to blow up the car. I mean, it's, it's exciting to see a car just explode. You know. So here we had, as boys we had watched all these Hollywood films that you know when when a car crashes, just count three or four seconds and the thing's gonna blow. You know that's just what happens. And I'm sure that does on occasion. <laughs> so here we crash. My brother crashes the car. Um, the first thing that I notice is my little brother who is to my right opens the door, jumps out, and runs for his life. And and he runs about, you know, 20 or 30 yards from the car and then turns around and stands and just waits for us all to go up in flames. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <wow>. so, <laughs> We didn't go up in flames, thankfully. I don't think we were in any harm of blowing up. But talk about the power of media. Yeah. He was convinced that we were all just going to blow up. And I tease him. I'm like, you, sh- you know, okay, you were the youngest, but you didn't even try to rescue your family that was going to blow up in that car you know <laughs> and another 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 funny part of that story was that um you know my well i mean maybe you wouldn't think this is funny but my dad you know he, he just broke the windshield with his head you know and you're kind of wondering wow i wonder if i should go to the hospital he put his glasses on and his vision was all blurry you know and so it's like uh-oh this is bad mm-hmm. he didn't think he wasn't too concerned about it right then because his middle son, Philip, was uh, in the back seat. My head was actually cut open, and I had to go to the hospital and get stitches uh, to stitch up my wound. So I was the only one bleeding. Um, so he wasn't going to be concerned. But the funny thing was, was my dad and my brother both had almost identical type of frames for their glasses, hmm. uh, but they had different prescriptions. And when both of their heads hit the windshield, both of their glasses flew off and it hit the floor of the car. So when my dad picked up what he thought was his glasses, it was really just my brother's glasses. Uh. And so he wasn't injured at all. It was just the wrong prescription. And he was fine. And uh, so praise God, nobody was, nobody died, you know. But uh, it, was, it was scary. And once again, going through an, an accident like that, you know, that's why you're, you're trying to train children how to drive safely. And my brother... I think has since then a good driving record, although we were very nervous letting being in the car when he was driving. And likewise, you should be nervous if your parents or if your children have um, shown to be very unwise uh, on the internet with or without supervision, then, you know, we need to back up and say, you know what, there needs to be more training here. And this isn't entirely my child's fault. This, this does involve the parent, and I need to be uh, take responsibility for the training that they need. So that's, I think, a pretty good podcast uh, for this month and give you something to chew on. Please feel free to send us an uh, email, and Rhett will give you some instructions about that here in a moment. You've been listening to the Media Talk 101 podcast. Visit mediatalk101.org for helpful articles, videos, and other resources. Click on the audio tab to get a free download of Philip's audiobook, What Wouldn't Jesus Do? Media Choices in the Light of Following Christ. And if you haven't seen our award-winning documentary, Captivated, Finding Freedom in a Media Captive Culture, be sure to order your copy today. 
Parents Television Council calls it deft and powerful, and numerous moms, dads, and pastors say it's a must-watch for every Christian family and church. If you have a question or a topic you would like to have discussed on this program, please send an email to podcast at mediatalk101.org.